Or if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I enjoyed the service last Sunday so much, and now we got perfect weather outside. But I'd rather be in here, amen, with the air conditioned, no pollen, no wind. Matter of fact, Brother Mike McDaniel texted me from North Carolina and said, that platform is too little for you. I'm afraid you're going to fall off of it. And I thought, well, I know I'm getting wider, but I didn't know it was, I was that wide. Amen, and it, looked, it, was, it was just perfect. Everything's set up. Appreciate our media team. Say amen. Take your mask off and say amen. No, don't do that. But uh, they have been a blessing. I'll tell you what. This old preacher would have absolutely went out of his mind if I couldn't have preached for the last six weeks or seven, 48 days, 38 minutes, and 28 seconds since we met last uh, in March 15th. And um, I thank God for them, thank God for their diligence and, and them uh, just putting the message where you could hear it and see it. It's a miracle. A lot of people have uh, cussed Facebook and they've, uh, they hate Twitter, Twitter, tweet, whatever it is. They hate all that, but I guarantee I love it. I love it because I can be in contact with uh, our folks during this time. The youth have had such a wonderful time on their Zoom Bible study and prayer meeting. I hear it through the walls, and they just love each other. Appreciate some of these young people driving in by themselves, being in church this morning. That took a lot of, a lot of discipline, and uh, a lot of y'all are here by the grace of God because y'all hadn't got ready on a Sunday morning in a long time. I know all of you dressed up. Brother Eddie Killian says you ought to put on your tie and you ought to dress up, put on your makeup, and all that stuff. You know, some he's dreaming. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody at home gonna do that. Amen. I'm just. Get your Mickey Mouse pajamas on and watch it. Say amen. Come on, Grant. Say amen right there. All right, Hebrews chapter 10. But, you know, we ought to thank God that we're healthy today. Some of you look very healthy. Some of you look like you aged a lot since I've seen you last. No, not really. <clears throat> but, um, you know, there's some people that we're really afraid in our congregation was, that had the virus and they just got the results back that they're negative. So that's a blessing. And uh, Miss Linda's in the hospital uh, with a major back surgery, and they let her have that, and she's supposed to go home today or tomorrow, and that's a blessing. And so God's been good. God's been good to you. You think about it. I know a lot of you have been really concerned about your relatives and your and your mom, your dad, your elder. You know, if it, if we went by the age limit, me or Brother Lamar wouldn't be here. Amen? Neither one of us, because we're, we just passed 65. Amen? Just passed it. Amen? But... uh. You know, uh, I'm breaking the rules today. I shouldn't even be here, but I'm, I'm here, and I'm going to be here, and I don't feel my age, and I do look it, but I am going to be here preaching the Word of God more stirred up than ever, because I have missed y'all so much, and how many would have ever thought this would happen six weeks ago in America, the home of the free and invincible? And you know, God's got our attention. I am promise you I'm not preaching again on the virus for a while. I've comforted you as much as I can take, amen, uh, as far as uh, why we're going through this and what we ought to get out of it. I just want to move on, amen, and I want us to be encouraged by uh, this message. Uh, I was going to start a series on the church this morning. I thought, no, and so about uh, 6 o'clock this morning, God changed that, so I'm very nervous. You know the feeling, Brother Steve, when God changes your message because I don't want to give you a series. I want you, I want you to be home at least by 2 today. We haven't been together in a long time, say amen. You say, well, preacher, I will stay here too if you'll open up all the bathrooms, amen, I understand. 
But uh, let's start with verse 10. Can you stand in all the word of God? Are those masks too heavy? Okay, good. <clears throat> Amen. Good to see each one of you here. Appreciate all of you that are listening by way of internet. And uh, yesterday I watched a whole lot of the uh, share They raised over $100,000 for the new uh, uh, Center for World Evangelism. And Brother Austin Garner has stepped out by faith. He's old as I am, almost. He'll call me up on that. He's almost old as I am. And they got to raise $2 million to relocate and expand uh, and we support 30 of the missionaries from Vision, so we ought to be a part of it. So I want you all to pray about giving an offering. Uh, he's asked for a certain amount from every church. But uh, yesterday, they raised over $100,000. And some of it was very unusual. Uh, for instance, one of the guys had to shave his head. I'd have done that for $15. And um, Brother Trent had, had his beard shaved, and that was awful to him because he, he feels like he's a rabbi. And, uh, you know, it was just, they did some crazy things, but I want to tell you something. They had a good time, had fun. Some, somebody will criticize them for it, I'm sure. But I want to tell you something. They're sending out some missionaries that's going to affect the world. And we ought to pray for them. We ought to be with them. And that's a little about what I'm going to preach on today, is that we're not just together. We're to go. And we're to serve God. Look at verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering. You with me? Hebrews 10.10. 10. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Here it is. Once for all. Can somebody say amen? amen? And every priest standeth daily ministering, offering oft times and some sacrifices which can never take away sins. Religion can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. We missed Easter together, but praise God we can have ascension today. Amen. Look at this, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. After that he, he has said before that this is a covenant that I have made with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their heart, and in their minds will I write them. One of my favorite verses, you ought to memorize it and underline it. It says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. And it says, now there, where, it says, now where remission of sin, sin, remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. In other words, we don't have to offer a lamb today because he is the lamb. But look at verse 19. This is what I want to preach on. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, to enter into the holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us, there's three let us's, and I want you to underline them. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us. Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for it is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. And all God's people said, you may be seated. 
Father, thank you for this service. Lord, it seems a little unusual, a little odd. Not having people sit in their exact place really throws me off, throws them off. But God, help us not to be spiritually distanced this morning. God, help us to realize that you're here. And, that, and, and Lord, we're preaching for you. And Lord, we're living for you. And God, we've been redeemed by you and your blood once for all. God, there's a few things that we ought to do as a church. And I thank you for the church, the body of Christ. I thank you, dear God, for the chance to meet once again. And Lord, I pray, dear God, if the rapture takes place this week, that we'll be faithful until we hear the trumpet. So Lord, bless this message. Help us, Lord, to realize that we need to go on and that we need to be faithful and that we need to do some things to exhort one another. We'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Now the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish converts and these people had been saved from an ancient system of bondage to the law. And they uh, could not keep it, but they, the rituals and demands of the law were all they knew. That was religion that was ingrained in their soul. If you ever uh, try to reach a religious person, they don't need God and they don't need uh, uh, old-fashioned uh, uh, worship. They have these rituals. And so the book of Hebrews suggests that some of these converts were considering returning to Judaism and they were uh, having a difficult time giving up the rituals, giving up the ceremonies. And um, they were clinging to their old religious sacrifices and systems and, and some of them were on the verge of just going back, not even being saved, just going back to religion. And so the writer of Hebrews spends a a lot of time, all through Hebrews, uh, the whole book, I believe, on challenging these Jewish believers to be faithful and to remain faithful and to trust the finished work of the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as part of the message, he mentioned two ways that people who hear the gospel can respond. Verse 19 through 25 is to receive the gospel. And once you receive the gospel, you should you should be wonderfully and radically and completely changed. Can somebody say amen? I mean, folks, you're saved. You ought, to, you ought to show it and you ought to enjoy it. I'm glad I'm saved. This is a wonderful time to witness the people that are not saved. And then the, the second uh, part that I won't read this morning, verse 26 through 31, there were some that rejected the gospel of grace. They abandoned the truth. And they trodden underfoot the Son of God and counted the blood as an unholy thing. And this passage contains uh, some challenges for them to be saved, verse 26 uh, through the end of the chapter, but also for we faithful that have been saved to show it and to do some things. And folks, I don't believe it'll be hard to uh, preach this this morning because you've shown how much you want to be here under adverse situations. But... Um, I want you to see, first of all, that in verse 19 through 22, there's a, there's a, there's a challenge for the born again to be faithfully drawing near. Faithfully drawing near. It says, enter in, draw near. Look at verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in to the holies of the blood of Jesus. Now, folks, that had to shock those Jews that he could say we or anyone that's saved can go into the holies of holies because in that day the old Jewish system 
was a closed system. There's only one person that could go into the holies of holies, and that was the priest, the high priest. And there's only one day of the year on the Day of Atonement. He'd take off that beautiful, scintillating, glorious robe called the high priest and put on a linen ephod. And folks, that's a picture of Jesus Christ taking on flesh for you and come to this old corrupt world and going into the holies of holies for you and paying the debt of his own blood, say amen. But man was barred from the presence of God in the Old Testament except through that priest and through that ritual and through that picture, praise God. And folks, something gloriously happened when Jesus died. When I believe when he said it is finished, the veil ripped from the top to the bottom, Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 through 51. And when Jesus, who is our high priest, entered into the holies of holies, he left a way for us. What is that way? Well, Hebrews 9, 22 tells us. Look at it. Hebrews 9, 22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with the blood, and without the shedding of the blood there is no remission, and there is no access. And so, folks, we see it very clearly that Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. And we don't have to go through these rituals. Thank God we're not coming back to church to be religious. We're coming back to church because we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with others, thank God. And I miss you so much. But I want you to see this real quick. In verse 22 it says, having, having. That's present possession. We have pres present possessions as a Christian. I'm so glad I'm saved. Amen. Aren't you so glad you're saved? I mean, you're going to heaven and not hell. There's people that's died in these last few months, thousands, all around the world that went to hell. And their misery has just begun. And folks, listen, the antidote, praise God, is the blood of Jesus. It's not some religion. But I want you to notice the present possession. We have boldness to enter into salvation, verse 19. It says, enter into the holies by the blood of Jesus. Folks, we can enter in and, and be in the presence of Jesus now and forever. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. And then we have number two in verse 21, we have a high priest. It says, and having a high priest over the house of God. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. We are made priests, and we don't go through religion. And folks, we have a high priest. We have a man on the inside, so to speak, praying and guaranteeing uh, our acceptance. Hebrews chapter 7, don't you love that verse? Verse 25 says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him. Come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. There's only one way to come to God, and that's by him. By him. We have a high priest that he's our advocate, and he'll no wise cast us out, say amen. And if God be for us, who can be against us? The Bible says we're more than conquerors through him. And then third of all, we have a present possession of a clean heart and a new life. Look at verse 22. It says, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance and faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I want you to say this, say this friend. The Jewish worshipers was never truly clean. Uh, religious people never were truly clean. Even the high priest had to cleanse himself before he went into the holies of holies had bells on the bottom of his robe and a rope around his left ankle. And if he did not confess his sins right, he dropped dead in the presence of God. In the Holy And they drug him out and said, let's have another one. Amen. Next, you know, I mean, it, was, it was sad. 
that even the priests had to, to uh, uh, do exactly all these things. But folks, when a sinner comes to Jesus by faith, he's cleansed by the blood once for all. Uh, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, and we're redeemed and made acceptable in the beloved. Look at 1 Peter uh, chapter um, 1, please. I love these verses. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19 sums it up this morning. It says, For as much as we know that we're not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from our vain conversation received by the traditions of your Father. You're not saved by the law. Look at this. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. How many is glad for the precious blood of Christ? I still can't tell if you're smiling or sighing, pouting or shouting through those masks, but that's all right. Keep wearing them. Folks, listen. God has commanded us to do a few things. Folks, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says this before I get to my message. It says in Hebrews 4, 16, this is all introduction. The Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain the mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. How many's found grace in these last three months? How many's found grace in your soul to be, to be uh, uh, peaceful in your spirit and and resting in the Lord. Folks, it's the grace of God. But we're challenged to draw near. And the promise is you'll never be rejected. You'll never, you'll always be accepted in Him. And so He calls His people to come. Look, look at this, with a true heart. We must be sincere. Verse 22, so let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance and faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our body. Bodies washed with pure water, full of assurance. We got full assurance that you're saved, say amen. Full assurance. You know that you know that you know if you died today that you'd go to heaven. What a blessing. What a blessing. You, you ought to enter in with thanksgiving and praise. And folks, a born-again believer ought to know that he's never lost, or never going to be lost, that he's saved and safe in the arms of God. And folks, listen. You need to receive the Lord as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we'll believe in our heart that God is raised from the dead, confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God is raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved, in case there's somebody uh, listening in that's lost this morning. We're to live out that hope by being faithful. I want to give you a few things that we ought to do if we really believe we're saved and we really have full assurance we need to, number one, in verse 23, have a faith, uh, faithfully hold fast. Look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise. Thank God he put that on there. Some people think you've got to hold on, pray through, you know, to be saved. You've got to endure to the end. And they look like they're about to endure to the end, look like a mule looking at a new gate. I've been baptized in persimmon juice. I think we ought to be joyful people, especially realizing we're saved. We're saved. And we live out that hope by remaining faithful, faithful. These poor Jews with all these roots and uh, traditions and ceremonies, um, most of them were saved out of religion. And this whole book is don't go back. And I want to tell you something, most of y'all wasn't saved out of religion. Y'all were saved out of a dark world. 
You're saved out of your deep sins. Some of you are saved out of religion. Amen, Brother Mark. But I want to tell you something. We're all saved uh, from, the, from the darkness of sin. We ought to not go back. We ought to not go back. Uh, sin ought to be an insult to God in our life, an insult to us. It's like Lot's wife. She went back. The Bible says in verse, 1 John 2, 19, it says they went out from us because they were not of us. Some people that go out of, out of us are never saved. And folks, we need to realize we're saved and we got a promise of a new life. Uh, the Bible says he gave us life and life more abundant. The thief has come to steal and to kill, but he's given us life and life more abundant. Look at Hebrews 10, 38. The Bible says now, the same chapter, now the just shall live by what? Faith. Look at your Bible. And if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. No pleasure in him. He, he's pleased by Hebrews 11, verse 6, by faith. And if we go back, he has no pleasure in that. He's pleased when we are faithful, when we, are, have, we hold fast our testimony. Um, he promised us a new life. He promised us heaven. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions. For not so I told you, and I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself. What a wonderful description of death, that you're received unto, unto the Lord. Folks, we should not be threatened by death. And I don't think you ought to rush it. I believe you ought to do all that you can to stay uh, healthy. Uh, but I want to tell you something, friend. When you die, you're going to live millions and millions and millions of years as I preached out there on that windy platform last Sunday in heaven. And folks, that's what counts. That's what you ought to invest your life in. That should be your profession of faith. That ought to be your testimony. He shall never fail you. Hebrews 6 Verse 18, the Bible says this. We're going to stay in Hebrews the rest of the time. It says uh, that there's two immutable things in which we, it's impossible for God to lie. We may have strong consolation who hath fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Thank you for that song, brother. Both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us ever even Jesus. See, our anchor is not in ritual. Our anchor is not in religion. Our anchor is not even getting back to this place called the church building. Our anchor is in Jesus Christ. He'll never fail us. He'll never forsake us. And Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says this. He says in verse 5, he says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. You're never alone. You're never alone with God's presence in your life. Every promise he made, you ought to draw, you ought to be faithful to draw near and you ought to be faithful to hold fast. But number three, you ought to be faithful to look after one another. You ought to be faithful to look after one another. Look at verse 24. These are, these are verses that the Lord laid on my heart this morning about this service. That we ought to love one another. And I believe you do. Our church is very loving. But folks, I want to tell you something. We should not pat ourselves on the back because there's a lot more work we need to do. The world is going to hell. The vast majority of probably those Chinese that uh, died that started this thing, according to our president and everybody else, they died and went to hell because they never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And that's why these young men yesterday spent 24 hours. 
I mean, uh, all day Friday and all day trying to raise money to train young people for the gospel to take it to places that are so dangerous. How would you like to go to China right now? It's not me. I'm not going to go to Walmart. Well, you, how would you like to be on the way to China with a little baby? I want to tell you something, friend. They're entering into danger, not of a virus, but of heathenism and, and, and the Satan stronghold. But here they are, young couples, little babies, little children, loading up all they got, going around this country trying to beg for support and go to a lost and dying world. We need to be holding faithful and fast. We need to draw near with full assurance. We need to hold fast our testimony, but we need to be faithfully looking after one another. Look at verse 24, and I'll close. And it said, and let us consider one another. Amen. Listen to this now. And provoke unto love and to good works. We ought to hold fast our profession. We ought to have a heart full of assurance. Praise God. Saved, saved, saved. Folks, saved and letting everybody know it by our faithfulness and our difference. You take the difference out of Christianity, all you got is an entity. We need to be different. We need to be distinctively Christian. But folks, then we need to take care of each other. Look at verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. You know, it's sad, and I don't want to be negative, but I sometimes was born that way. It's sad that some people haven't missed assembling together the last six weeks. It's sad because they don't, they don't come. They don't see the need to assemble publicly. They don't see the need to come to the house of God. And, and, and folks, it's, it's really selfish because you're not coming for yourself. You're coming for him to worship him, number one, but number two, to help somebody else. Your testimony is so important. I mean, your dog ought to know you're getting up on Sunday morning. Amen. Come on, Kaylee. Say amen right there. You, I mean, they, they ought to know, well, this is Sunday morning. They're going to Sunday school. They're going to the house of God. They're going uh, on Wednesday night to the house of God. They ought, their children ought to know it's not a vote. It's not something we're going to see how the weather is. It's just something that we do because we know that there's a ministry, and that ministry is this, considering one another. I challenge you, therefore, to consider one another. And let us consider one another. Folks, that means to set our mind on it. You know, there's someone, you're the best Christian they know. And I believe you ought to be predictably faithful. I believe they ought to count on you being in your pew, and I know this is really strange. It's strange to me, and I know it's strange to you. You've never seen this angle of me, this... Uh, Newberry's never been this close to the front of the church, amen. Neither has Carolyn. But I want to tell you something, friend. It is a shock sometimes just to change things, you know. This is a shock to our system. But I want to tell you something. There's one thing that doesn't change, and that's your testimony. They ought to see your testimony. They ought to know your testimony. So this is a strange thing to preach on the first Sunday back, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. Uh, we're going to be tempted to, to slack up, as Brother Jason's. We're going to be tempted to get a little lazy. Matter of fact, I'm worried about myself. I don't preach on Sunday night. I'm wondering if I'm not going to, because Sunday afternoon is stress all the, all the day long. I'm trying to think, oh, my goodness, i got to get ready for tonight. And, I, you know, I've kind of enjoyed this. That's why I let you, want you to preach tonight. Maybe I'm just going to sleep in today. No, I'll be here. 
But I want to tell you, so I'm getting, you know, it, it, it's, mm, you know, I thought, man, this is kind of easy, one time a week. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to be diligent to realize that we have set our minds on our fellow believers to what? Look at the scripture. Provoke unto love. Now the word provoke means incite in the Greek. It means to stir up. But we're not to stir up people to cause a riot. We're not to stir up people to um, get them angry. Some people just provoke you, don't they? I mean, they go around with a chip on their shoulder and say, just knock it off, praise God, and I'll do it. Not intentionally, it's just my nature. But I, uh, ask my wife. No, don't ask her nothing. But I, amen. We're still celebrating our anniversary. Listen, listen to me. We ought to provoke people to love. And I'll tell you how you provoke people to love. Stir up people to love. You love them like Christ loved you. Amen. I mean, you forgive them like Christ forgives you. I got a call from one of my preacher friends in the Tri-State Preacher Fellowship and says, I'm gone, I'm out of here. He took the church with two and a half million dollar debt, suffered, sacrificed, been there for 10 years, I guess, brought it down to about $500,000 and they had a meeting to see how they could reopen. And they all in one accord began to complain about their pastor. He lost it. He resigned everything. He ain't going back. He quit. Folks, they provoked him to anger. They provoked him to quit. It was probably their goal. Now, good luck finding somebody else that church. But I want to tell you this, friend. When I come here, I get exhorted. And I get provoked to love. I get stirred up. And you say, oh, you're depending too much on the assembly. Well, call it whatever you want to. But I've lived in the church for the last um, 50 years or more than that probably. And I love it. And I'm not talking about the building about God's people. When your own family forsakes you and won't speak to you, you can count on God's people. When your own family won't respond, Brother Mark, they won't even return your text, you can count on God's people. When they won't hug you, they won't shake your hand, they won't smile, they won't even return your call, you can count on God's people too. And I have been exhorted during these months. I have not been disappointed in you, I hope you haven't been disappointed in me. I think we stayed close. I think our church is closer than it's ever been before. And, you know, there's some churches that won't make it through this. They won't make it. It's over for them. It's gone. And folks, the devil's going to have a heyday with some churches, especially the church that uh, I have a burden for up in Fort Oglethorpe because they didn't exhort, they didn't encourage. Look at verse 25, I'll close. Not forsaking the similar ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more, so much the more as we see the day approaching. You know what that's saying? We ought to get together more. I know we can't have dinners anymore for a while. I said for a while. Amen. We can't have dinner on the grounds. Won't even think of it. Why Albany had that breakout. They had good old dinner after a funeral. There's going to be some things changing, but I pray it gets back to some good old abnormal fellowship where we just feel like family. Amen. You say, oh, it never will be for me. I'm staying back. Well, you're going to miss it because I'm praying God will heal. God will send the antidote. God will send the vaccine. God will send whatever it is so we can get back to closeness. And, folks, we can be close even in the midst of separation because we can provoke and exhort 
so much the more as we see the day coming. Those are the ways we do that. Number one, we're to love together. Our love for God should be supreme, but our love for our church family should be second. Look at Matthew 22, please, verse 37. God puts the scripture together for an emphasis. It's divine order, I believe. And I love these verses where it says our first priority ought to be Matthew 22, verse 37. You know the verses, but look at it. It says in verse 37, Jesus said to them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart. And with all thy soul. And with all thy mind. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's undeniable when you love God with all your soul. That's why you become a missionary. That's why you go knock on doors when people are not kind or open or even honest with you. That's why we have the bus ministry, Miss Rose. It don't seem right not driving those old buses anymore. Can't do it right now. Breaks my heart. Kids are so missing this place. Connie and I delivered some Master Club books the other day. We had social distance. We threw them at them. I mean, got out on the porch. Let's threw them at them. No, we didn't. We handed it very carefully. And, man, they just lit up when they saw Miss Connie. They, cared, they didn't know who I was. But they lit up. Wow. Then one uh, girl ran into her grandparents and says, Hey, the church people are here. The church people are here. I said, Well, praise God because the church people, and they were so excited. And they miss you so much. And folks, that's a good testimony. It's not only do you love God supremely, but look at verse 39. It says, uh, it says and this is the, uh, verse 38, and this is the great and first and great commandment, but look at verse 39. And the second is like, like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Genuine godly love for one another is a mark of real salvation. 1 John 3.14 says, we, you know, we pass from death and life because we love the brother. That's pretty important. Folks, it, it's saying if you don't love God's people, you're not saved. If you don't love church, you better check up on your salvation. That's what that verse says to me. It says we know that we pass from death and life because we love the brethren. Well, where's the best place to express love for the brethren? In the local assembly of the church. Amen? That's why we ought to miss it so much. Some people say, I don't care if we go or not. The absence of this love reveals the absence of true salvation. Because God is love. And you say, well, I love God. The Bible says if you don't love God and you don't love others, then you don't love him. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I'll try to close. 1 John 4, 7, 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. There it is. It said, if you don't love God and you don't love others, you don't love, you're not saved. The church house is to be a place where you just feel loved. Now, there ought to be a lot of places where you don't feel loved. This world will not love you. They'll abuse you. But I can't wait to be in a place where I feel loved. It's called a home. We ought to be loving others, not waiting on somebody to love us. We ought to be loving others. The church house is to be a place where people feel loved. Then number two, not only to love together, but we're to work together. We're to work together. Look at our text, Hebrews chapter 10. And... Uh, 
this is a beautiful text. It says, in, and consider one another provoking to love and, and to good works. And to good works. We ought to work together. Uh, building up is a good business. Building up each other. Exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and continuing the faith and continuing to be appreciative and faithful. I read these verses before these verses so you can set the stage as folks. He was saying, hey, listen, once for all we're saved. It's the blood of Jesus. Uh, our sins are forgiven. It's cast from the east and the west. There is no more offering for sin. And we can have boldness, brethren, to come into the holies by the blood of Jesus. Then he says, love one another. Work with one another. Work four-letter dirty word to the modern generation and even to the church. Folks, we have a work to do. We ought to meet and we ought to come to Sunday school to mobilize, to evangelize. We ought to have a heartbeat for missions as never before. We ought to have a heartbeat for souls. We cannot just get settled for the faithful few and on every other pew. We cannot get settled saying, hey, listen, I'm just coming back to church. How about those people that are going to hell? How about those bus kids that have no sense of love or hope or peace or anything else? Should we shut it down because it's dangerous in the future? No. Should we stop going to China and let them go to hell? No. Because Christ came to this sin-polluted world for us, this dangerous world for us, and took on our epidemic of sin so we could be saved. There's a work to be done. There's a commission. There's a mandate. It's not just growing, it's glowing. It's not just feeding, it's being filled to overflowing. The church is not just together, it's to go. It's to go. We're commissioned to go and go into the world and we ought to fill these pews up when we are able to with sinners that are lost and dying and going to hell. We ought to be we ought to be possessed with getting people saved because Jesus was. But sometimes we get settled in and after this we might get scared to go knock on a door. God help us. That's the thing that I've missed most that I cannot do is knock on a door. Brother John says, you think you might could break the rule and sit with me in the waiting room? I said, John, I'd like to, but my wife won't let me. No, I didn't say that. I said, no, I can't. I'm sorry. I felt so bad. I couldn't be in a hospital. They wouldn't let him in the room for a while. And finally, he got in the room. And folks, we're in a different age, but I don't think we ought to stay there. I believe there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, we ought to love together. And yes, we ought to work together. We ought to work in the prayer meeting together for our loved ones that won't come to church. We ought to keep, we ought to keep praying. We ought to keep longing to see them in church. You got some brothers and sisters husbands and wives, you've got some children that are dying without the fellowship of God. Does it bother you? Does it hurt you that they won't come to any church? Folks, listen. We need the excitement of reaching others. And then last but not least, we need to worship together. Some of the Jewish converts had abandoned the public worship place. They didn't go worship in the temple. You'll find in Acts chapter 2 when I start this series next Sunday night on the church, 
is that uh, folks they worship daily in the temple, daily. They they went to church every day, or they worshiped in their homes every day. I hope you've worshipped every day. Hope you had the right music on uh, your TV, your radio. I hope that you've had the right atmosphere. How many of you fussed and fought with your mate during this six weeks? Raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. How many's fussed and fought? How many's got tense? How many wish this thing was over so you could get some space? <laughs> Woo! But I'll tell you something, Fred. God has a design for you to have love. And I want to tell you something. We need to worship together. We ought to seek out the fellowship of saints. I've missed that so much. I don't know if you've missed it. Folks, hot, a hot coal will cool off a lot quicker out by itself. If you put that hot coal with other hot coals, thank God we can exhort each other. We can be excited about teaching and preaching and worshiping and encouraging and fellowship. It's just a sense of family, say amen. Nothing will help you stay close to God than more than having a regular faithful attendance to the house of God and, and accountability with one another. How's your prayer life? How are you doing? Hey, folks, discipleship where you take somebody under your wing and we're going to do a lot more of that and train them to be a preacher, train them to be a deacon, train them to be a spiritual leader. Hey, train them to be a good husband would be a good thing. Amen? Train them. Don't fall in the trip or the trap of Satan who wants to convince you you don't need to come back. One of the greatest blessings the Lord has ever placed in your life is to come to church come often come faithfully come to Sunday school come to evening service come to Wednesday evening service come to the prayer room come to the, come to the youth meetings come, come ready to worship come to sing, come to pray, come to his word come to fellowship, come to serve so thankful for our ushers this morning not easy for them to tell you where to sit. Some of y'all looked at them like you was going to slap their mask off. Amen. Praise God. They had to do it. They were told to do it. Amen. They did a good job. Uh, yet last week I was so thrilled by the way y'all parked those cars. I'm saying, man, people are out working for God again. Wonderful. Here two, two or three hours early setting up the PA system, Joel. Doing something for God. It's the most it's an exciting thing you can do is is, is serve the Lord with gladness. Come for your children. Come for yourself. Come for the glory of God. Be in your place every time the doors open. Come to church. Here's something to think about. Uh, I, I used to be an avid sports fan, but I gave it up. Say it's pretty easy to give up when it wasn't on TV. <laughs> wasn't open. I almost gave uh, Rebecca and Jason a free pass to the Braves game and a Braves master match, but I didn't. But I, I'm giving it up. I don't. Want, I don't want anything. I don't even know, want to know about sports. I'm gonna tell you why. Every time I went to a game, they asked for money. Every time I went to a game. I sit by some people that weren't friendly. Every time I went to a game, the seats were too hard and they weren't comfortable at all. Every time I went to many games, the coach never came and called on me after I went to that game. Never visited me. Hey, the referees made decisions which I could not agree with. Hey, I, sus I suspected that I was sitting with some hypocrite 
They came to see their friends and what others were wearing rather than to root for my team. Some games went to overtime, and I was late getting home. The band played some the band played some numbers that I had never heard before. <laughs> Brother Randy. It seems that the games were scheduled when I want to do other things. I was taken to, uh, hey, so I was taken to too many games by my parents when I was growing up. I don't want to take my children to any games because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. Now that's silly, isn't it? By the way, I hadn't given up sports completely. Yet those are some kind of excuses that people use to go to the house of God every Sunday. And folks, listen. We need to have the exhortation in Hebrews chapter 10, 25 engraved in our hearts, not forsaking the similar ourselves together as the matter of some is but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Folks, listen. If you need a reason to go to church, I can give you two excellent reasons to do it. Number one, God commands it, Hebrews 10, 25. And then number two, Jesus practiced, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. He was in the synagogue. And folks, number three is God saves you. God saves you. And then last but not least, we are to wait together. Look at verse 25. It says, so much the more as, the, as we see the day approaching. Jesus is coming. I said, Jesus is coming. Say amen through that mask. He is coming. This pestilence is a sign of it. Somebody gave me a tape yesterday, and I, I watched some of it. I didn't agree with all of it, that all this was a conspiracy, but it was a, it was a forecast of what the tribulation is going to be like. Is there going to be malignant disease all over the world? It's going to shut the world down. And that's exactly what's going to happen, Revelation 6 through 18. It's the great tribulation. And so, folks, listen, this pandemic is getting us used to the idea things are going to change and God's going to rock this world. And, folks, there's going to be a virus that's going to come upon this world that's going to wipe out a third of the population at one time. And, and folks, there's pestilence, malignant disease, Hailstones, 125 pounds hitting this earth. Water turned to blood. Demonic beasts released. All through the tribulation, it's going to be terrible. I'm glad I'm not going to be here. And so you know what the Bible says? So much the more. So much the more. So much the more. If you really believe that Jesus is coming, you need to let these three let us. Let us exhort one another. Let us hold fast. Let us draw near. Folks, we need to have a us about our being. It's called the local church. What to love each other as never before. But we need to serve God because we're saved. And serve God because he's coming soon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message. It's not the one I planned on preaching. God, you have a right to tell me what to preach, and I'm going to try to be faithful. But God, I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us to realize that you've exhorted us to let us be faithful. To, you've called us to be holding fast our testimony, number two. And last but not least, to be faithful to love one another. God, I love these people all my heart. I want to consider them. I want to think upon them. I want to provoke them, stir them to love you. 
I want us to draw near with full assurance, but God, I want us to draw near with a flowing heart of your love. And I thank you for that opportunity. Lord, this has been strange. This has been unusual. God, it's been a little uh, unusual, uh, to say the least, to preach to empty pews. And now it's a little unusual to see people sitting there with masks and physically distant. God, I pray, oh God, I pray that we'd never be spiritually distant. That we'd never come in this place and feel isolated, but we'd feel so loved. And God, we'd never come in here just to get the religious duty over, but God, we'd come to worship you and so much the more as we know we're in the very last days that you're coming soon. With every head bowed, every eye closed, it's such a delight to give an invitation and I won't ask you to come to the altar unless you spread out. You can do that. But I want to ask you a question. Do you really believe Jesus is coming soon? Have you missed this place at all? I'm sure you have. Do you love God with all your heart and all your soul? Then if you do, you ought to love souls enough to keep this mission program growing thriving. Thank God for your faithfulness to tithe and send your faith promise in. It's been amazing how this church has been so faithful financially. And I believe it's because of our mission program. Souls are dying. It's not a time just to remodel the building. It's a time to get our hearts melted into His likeness and loving souls like we ought to love them. Sacrificing those dear missionaries that I seen for the last couple of days giving it all to go to countries that are infested that's love let me say preacher with all my heart I want to consider others more than myself and I want to draw nigh to God with full assurance that he'd draw nigh to me and so much the more as I see the day approaching I just want to ask God to use this unusual six weeks that we've had apart to melt my heart with love for not only God's house, God's people, God's heartbeat, souls. And that's your prayer this morning. Would you slip your hand up real high? And all of you that would like to, I want you to bow right where you're at. I want you to pray. Then when you're finished praying, I want you to stand. We'll sing the closing song and we'll go from here. I don't want to leave, but we got to. I'd like to come back tonight, but we can't get the place sterilized by tonight. So we're going to take off one more Sunday night. Would you pray just a few minutes? Would you make an altar right there, that empty pew in front of you? Would you ask God? Help you never get over the full assurance that Jesus paid it all.